Design it, craft it, smith it, stitch it, tool it, and pick it. We do it all. This is Bespoke Lahoma. Musical intro by Allie Harder and Pigs Fly Shop out of Oklahoma City. This week, as always, we are sponsored by Traditions Leathercraft out of Oklahoma City. He's got some great deals going, so go to check it, check it out on the website. Plus, on the website, he has upcoming classes uh, listed. One is me for next Saturday, which is the 24th, doing another dot bag class. I don't know if there are any spots left. Um Weather is being bipolar here in Oklahoma. Uh, at the beginning of the week, we we're in the 70s, and now we're down to like 45. So that's not fun. That's really all I got for y'all. Tonight, we have Trevor, and I forgot to ask how to pronounce your last name, and I don't want to fucking mess it up. <laughs> yeah, last name is Barfus. Okay, just, that's what just, I Just uh, pronounced exactly how it's spelled. Okay, so tonight we have Trevor Barfus of yeah. T-Bar Leathercraft. How's it going tonight, Trevor? You know, everybody tries to say it differently because they're like, there's no way his last name is Barfus. Like, <laughs> it's literally B-A-R-F, you know? They're like, it's yeah. Barf and then us. I'm like, there's no way that's his real last name. <laughs> so people try to be nice by, like, saying it differently. And I'm like, no. Nope, it's, it's just how it sounds, <laughs> and uh, it's all right. At this point, you can't hurt my feelings, man. I've grown up with the last name since, uh, you know, went to third grade with that last name, and I survived that yeah. on the playground, so got pretty, yeah, look, pretty tough skin at this point now. Oh, yeah, little kids are, can be jerks. I know my oh, I little know, one dude. my little one can be a jerk sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got, I've got three of them, and they're always beating up on me, so – <laughs> I know how that goes. So, how's it going, Trevor? How are you doing? Well, you mentioned bipolar weather. Mm. Um, here in Utah, we're um, experiencing the same thing. So, you know, not too bad. Um, I, we keep getting this hint of of spring in the air, and then um, just teases us with it, and then it's back to winter. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd love to have some nicer weather so I could, uh, um, you know enjoy some time outside but um i guess uh i guess we'll have to wait that out a little bit longer yeah and uh I, i'm i i don't mind the cold weather um as long as it stays above 32 and we don't have 50 mile an hour winds but sure. yeah you know, wind is terrible mm-hmm. all right so how, how did you get into the other work well I don't know. I don't know if my uh, if my uh, origin story is uh, a unique experience or if it's something that kind of everybody seems to get, uh, experience when getting to, into leathercraft. But um, honestly, um, I just needed a creative outlet, and mm. I've always kind of been drawn to doing, you know, artistic things. My uh, my mother is a very talented painter and so is my grandmother. Um, my mom always tried to get me to paint with her when I was little. Um, I, uh, I did paint a little bit, I guess, 
as a child. Uh, but I was, uh, I'm actually colorblind. And so oh. I always hated painting. I felt like I was guessing what <laughs> colors were supposed to be, especially like landscape scenes, which is what my mom did a lot of. And I was like, man, I don't know what color these trees are supposed to be. I can't see the red and green, you know? So like everything in the woods is green and I'm painting it all wrong. I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> You know, but like art is subjective and I probably shouldn't have cared, but uh, I was a kid and it mattered to me. And uh, so I never really like stuck with it. Didn't really want to. Um, so I've, I, but I've always kind of been drawn to doing something like that, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, woodworking or carving on stuff. Um, but I didn't get into leatherwork until I was in my 20s. I, uh, um, I was newly married to my wife and, uh, I actually was doing a lot of carving on, uh, on deer and elk antlers and just kind of tinkering with it. I'd seen some cool stuff on Instagram with some guys who, uh, were carving really cool things in, in the bone. And I was like, man, that's kind of neat. I'd like to try that. So I started doing it a little bit and, um, honestly, I hated it. (laughs) not fun like it's uh i don't know if you ever carved on bone before but it it smells terrible yeah some and it of... makes oh, go ahead. oh it just it just makes a huge mess mm. yeah i uh on some of my archery orders i have to make antler buttons and mm-hmm. uh now that it's cold i've just been cutting them inside the shop but it's it puts off a smell that's not great yeah, it's not pleasant at all. And, like, especially if you're sitting there hunched over a horn with a Dremel tool, um, it's just, yeah, it's just not fun. And so I, I was doing that for a little bit, and I, I did like the end results, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I never got, like, really good at it. Um, just just was kind of dabbling in it. And uh, uh, one day I was sitting out on the front porch doing that, and uh, my father-in-law – he uh, saw what I was doing and um, I was building, I was doing one for my nephew who was a, he's a, was a big cowboy, you know? And so I was trying to think, man, what could I do for my nephew? Who's, he was uh, five or six at the time, probably. And I was like, what can I do for my nephew who really likes cowboy stuff? And I, I started looking up like, you know, like leather carvings and saddles and like, uh, you know, like boot uh, designs. And I, uh, was like, I'm going to try to incorporate this onto this antler carving I'm doing for my nephew. And um, my father-in-law looked at it and says, hey, that kind of looks like, you know, like what you see on saddles and stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's what I'm trying to go for. And he's like, well, why don't you just start carving on leather? And <laughs> I think my father-in-law was hoping that I would get into leather so that I could build stuff for him. You know? <laughs> He, he was looking for somebody to make him stuff. And I was like, man, I don't know. That kind of sounds like a cool idea. And, um, but he kind of planted that idea in my head. And I didn't really grow up doing cowboy stuff. Um, I mean, we uh, I grew up around horses and had friends that had horses and stuff. And some family that had horses. But in my my whole uh, like expertise of uh cowboy and was uh you use horses for uh getting deer and elk off the mountain mm. in the fall and uh not much else 
Um, it wasn't until I really married my wife and, uh, she, she comes from a, from a rodeo family, you know, and, uh, like I said, my, my father-in-law was a, a pretty big cowboy and, um, that's, was really like my introduction, I guess, to it. Um, but I, uh, my, I think it was a year, a year or so later after my father-in-law kind of like put that in my head, um, I, uh, I wanted to do some, uh, I, I needed some leather work done. I think it was a holster I was trying to get. And, um, <clears throat> my father-in-law was like, Hey, I've got this, my buddy down the road. He's a saddle maker. He's a great guy. Um, full-time saddle maker. He can build that for you. So I was like, all right, cool. And we go over there and we meet this guy and, um, he agrees to, to build it for me. And he's this older gentleman. And, uh, I like, you know, told him what I wanted. He took down my order, says, yeah, well, I'll get with you in a few months or whatever. And he ended up passing away before he ever built that for me. <laughs> and and uh, so I was like, oh, dang, I'm not going to get that holster now. And so my father-in-law again was like, why don't you just make it yourself? Like, I think you, I think you have the ability to do that. And I uh, was like, all right. And I started looking at YouTube videos on like how to make holsters and stuff and I think uh, him and my wife uh, got me a, like a cheap Amazon leather carving kit for Christmas that year. And uh, I made like the world's worst holster. <laughs> and I was, I was sure damn proud of it. And I still have that holster and I have it in my shop and I look at it every day and think about how awful it is. But it was a start, <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah, I guess the rest is kind of history from there. It was just, um, I just kind of ran with it. Mm. I was using these really cheap Amazon tools for a while and um, just kind of doing it for fun. And it uh, kind of blew up from there. I quickly realized uh, that these cheap tools I had from Amazon were were not going to cut it. And now I think it's been seven seven or eight years since then that's awesome and yeah here we are the only the only uh thing that i that's kind of upsets me about it a little bit is uh my my father-in-law actually passed away before i ever got into really into doing leather work oh man and he was kind he was kind of the one who got me into it you know what i mean right are are you doing it full-time now or is it still a side hustle? Yep, still just kind of a side deal. And I, I, um, a lot of people ask me that. And they, they kind of, when I talk to them, they are surprised that I, I don't do it full time. But uh, for me, I, I, I find a lot of enjoyment in doing it. And I like mm-hmm. learning about it. And, uh, and, and I still don't feel like I'm quite there, you know, with my skill set to really like want to dive full time into it. Mm. Um, but the the thing about leather for me is I really enjoy doing it. And I'm afraid that if I was to do it full time, that it kind of becomes a job. Mm-hmm. And you, you put a lot of pressure on your art when you're asking it to pay your mortgage now, you know? Oh, yeah. Where right now I'm like, I don't have to do it if I don't want to. But if uh, if I want to, I I can go down there and, you know have some fun with it oh yeah definitely and I, I, 
I, I, yeah, I get afraid of, uh, like putting a cap on my creativity, you know, getting into, getting into production mode or, you know, yeah, there's a fine balance, I guess, between making money and like, um, having fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I've been doing it full time since 2019 and I go through spots where I, I don't feel creative, uh, I, I don't even want to come out to a shop sometimes. And like for the last <clears throat> year, I haven't been taking any, uh, well, I take some custom orders, but not as much as I used to. And um, it just, it, my creative juices aren't flowing as much as they did when they first, when I first started doing it. I mean, I still love doing it. Like I'd much rather come out here every day and not have to worry about, some prick of a boss being on my back all day. And I mean, sometimes yeah. customers aren't great, but they're not as bad as a regular boss. Sure. Yeah. There's definitely pros and cons to it for sure. And I mean, I, I feel pretty lucky with the, with the career and the job I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I work for a pretty good, good outfit that I enjoy working with. And I've got um, good people I'm with all day. And uh, um, I have a hard time walking away from it, you know, Right. Um, when I actually do enjoy my day job and stuff, but uh, you know, maybe maybe someday I'll change my mind. But right now, I think this is the the path I'm headed down for a while. And that's that's completely fine. It's the best thing to do is to to do what makes you happy. At the end of the day. <clears throat> yeah, and um, and uh, I I kind of did uh, my own thing for a, for a while. Well, not my own thing, but I, my wife and I ran a business together before. Um, and, uh, you know, I've kind of been down that road of like having a, we had, we had a couple employees and like everything else. And, uh, you know, when you become mm-hmm. a business owner too, like there's, there's not just the, uh, the fun side of things. You've got the whole business end of things. Oh yeah. And, uh, some people thrive with that. Like, I don't, I don't mind it so much. I, I mean, I went to school for business and I, I enjoy doing that side of things, but there's, I've talked to a lot of people who, who start doing it full time, you know, and they, they absolutely hate that side of side of things. They hate the bookkeeping and they hate uh, tracking things, you know, and stuff like that. And there's a lot of that you got to consider, I guess, when you, when you jump into it full time. And the thing I do like about my day job is a lot of that stuff. I don't know how to handle, you know, mm-hmm. I just, I go to work. Um, do what they asked me to do for eight hours, and then I come home and forget about it. Right. <laughs> I kind, I kind of, I kind of miss the. That's the only thing I miss about working a nine to five is, you know, clocking out. Yeah, it and, it is nine to five, right? And when you're yeah. when you run your own business, you're working twenty four seven, round the clock. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, for those who are listening and say you might be single. And you're worried about doing the book bookkeeping if you're going to do this full time. The best thing that I ever did, which I didn't do it on purpose, it's not the reason why, but marry an accountant or a CPA. <laughs> um, yeah, there you go. It makes things so much easier because all I have to be like, all I have to say is like, "Yep, that was a custom order. I needed that for supplies, and all my stuff is up to date." 
<laughs> yeah, and if you don't marry a CPA, just don't go into business for yourself. Okay. Right. No, <laughs> no it's, it's fun, though. I, I think eventually at some point um, in my career, um, I, I probably will venture mm. down that road. Um, but for right now, I'm content with where I'm at. If that makes sense. Right. So I love your creativity from like your the you put out awesome funny videos and then um, go ahead no i was just gonna say it's you know a lot of people they they find me because of the instagram reels or the tiktoks right mm-hmm. and they think that oh man this guy's creative and he makes good videos and stuff but in all reality that's that's not I could not do that without my wife. It's not oh, me really? at all. No. I mean, I, I like it and it's fun, but like all those ideas come from her, man. Like she's, uh, she's so creative when it comes to stuff like that. Mm-hmm. She finds like the funny sounds and the funny reels. And she's like, Oh, I just came up with this idea. Here's how you do it. And, uh, she thrives with stuff like that, man. Like she's, uh, she's a very talented dancer and choreographer. And she's actually out right now. At the, she's at, uh, there's a college here in town. And she's doing, uh, they hired her to come do uh, the choreography for some musical production that she's doing. So she's, in everything she does, she wins all these awards for chore- choreography and stuff that she does. But like, nobody knows because it's kind of a behind the scenes thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, nobody really recognizes the choreographer who does all that stuff. But that's, that's, she translates that over to TikTok and Instagram. <laughs> That's really and, awesome. Uh, yeah, she comes up with all the ideas, man. And if it was just me, like you were saying, you got to marry the accountant. Like, man, if you want to, <laughs> like, I had to marry the the choreographer to to get where I'm at. Well, then she does awesome videos that you uh, are in, and then <laughs> you do great leather work. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm. Uh, right. Yeah, I'm working on my leather. Work. <clears throat> Yeah, I've I've got we've gotten the video part down, and we can uh, hide our mediocrity with the leather work with uh with humor, you know. Mm. Well, one of my favorite videos of yours is when it was here recently, and uh, it you stitched uh, Dylan Randall's video. Um, he played a little tune on the guitar for I think it was like was it dueling banjos? No, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think that started with uh, with uh, Brian with Man in Black. Oh yeah, that's right. And then Dylan did it, and then you did it. Yeah, and Dylan you did, did it, and I did uh, it. But the the perfect part is, I guess your your chair fa- uh, failed in the middle of it. Yeah, and that you one just wasn't that sinking one, down. Yeah, that wasn't <clears> even planned. I was just sat on the chair, started playing the card, and, and then my chair broke, and it just started sinking. <laughs> that that was a perfect for that video. Yeah, it was pretty. <clears throat> Sometimes the jokes write themselves, you know. I don't even have to do anything. <laughs> um, so on your leather, you just re- recently made some pretty awesome dop kits that I would have never thought to make. <laughs> the <clears throat> my skunk, my skunk bags, and the yolk. <clears throat> yeah, your yeah the uh, the skunk the skunk ones were my favorite. Did didn't you do a coyote one too? Yep. Yeah, my wife called it the yoke tote. Oh, <laughs> um, the, the 
the skunk thing was kind of a it's kind of a random deal. I was just sitting in my shop and I built. So actually, Tyler Kirchall, he put me on to making those dop kits. Oh yeah. Um, I, I'm I've been mostly making shaps for the last year, year and a half. That's all I've made really. Not all I've made, but I've made a lot of them. And uh, um, I have a ton of shap leather that just builds up, you know, after you start building a bunch of them. And I was kind of mentioning to him, man, I have so much shap leather. I got to do something with it. And he's like, oh, you should make these dop kits. They take like 30, 40 minutes to make. And uh, I thought he was joking. I was like, there's no way this takes like 30, 40 minutes. But if you have a sewing machine, like they, mm-hmm. they go quick. Like they don't oh, take yeah. any time at all. Um, and if you got a, I guess a, a general knowledge of leather work, like it go really quick. And so I, uh, I made, I was, is it around Christmas time? And, um, I made one for my sister cause I was trying to make some for family members. Mm-hmm. And, um, I made one that was purple and it had white for the, the zipper accent pieces. Right. And I was like, man, if this was black, it would kind of look like a skunk with these white stripes, you know? <laughs> and I happened to have two skunk pelts um, and I bought them with the intentions of making uh, mittens mm-hmm. I've made a few pairs of mittens before out of uh, coyote and such but uh, I bought these skunk ones because I was like man how cool would it be to build a pair of mittens that had like the white stripe down the middle oh yeah and uh, I, I bought them years ago from uh from a gal in Missouri and uh, uh, I've just been hanging on to them. So I, I looked over at those skunks and I was like, Hey, you know what? Like, instead of using like a handle piece and a pole tab, like what if I just put the skunk head and the skunk tail on there instead? <laughs> and then the, the skunk bag was born. And I thought it was funny. And I posted online. I was like, Hey, look at the skunk bag I built. And, um, uh, people went nuts over it. I had people asking, like, left and right, if they could buy it. And I was like, man, I only have two skunks, so I can only make two of them. So, but my wife, my wife liked the one, the first one I made. She liked it so much. She's like, man, I really want that as a makeup bag. And I told <laughs> her, I was like, oh, dang it, like I already sold it, but I, I really just kept it and I just kind of tucked it away and I gave it to her for Christmas, but uh. Um, and then I sold the other one like in like two seconds and now people still asking for it. I'm like, I don't have any more skunk pelts and I, I guess I could buy more, but I just haven't been ambitious enough to do it. But it's funny. I, I ran into, uh, uh, Aaron, uh, with, uh, makers, mm-hmm. um, makers leather supply uh, a few weeks ago. And, uh, that was the first thing he said to me. He's like, Oh, Hey, you're the skunk bag guy. <laughs> and i was like man i make a lot cooler stuff than that like that's not exactly what i want to be known for but like yeah that's me <laughs> did did you uh <clears throat> run up to run into him up at that uh oh what was that saddle the saddle makers the csma yeah colorado How saddle makers that? association yeah it's a good time man it's uh um it's uh sponsored by burn saddlery Mm. um uh, at least this one is uh, the csma does stuff uh they do a couple shows um in colorado 
Uh, I think they do two or three in Colorado every year. And then <laughs> they do one here in Utah at Burn Saddlery. Oh, that's um, And uh, they had Aaron come down to – he was teaching a backpack building class. And uh, mm. they had a bunch of classes. And it's it's kind of fun because it's, it's like a low-key – uh, leather show okay you know? um it's not like uh like sheridan where you have like it's hundreds of people and it's and it's big and it's crazy and it's packed you know mm-hmm. it's just kind of a small group it's uh, about i don't know less than 100 people huh. usually and they got uh barry king always comes loaded up with tools to sell um and then like like you got all the burn saddlery folks there and they've got their new uh uh online teaching deal they're they're jump starting that a loom uh oh yeah deal that they're, they're doing <clears throat> and they also run shop talk magazine too so shop talks there and uh they have a couple other vendors there usually uh shane Dieter's always there selling uh um saddle trees um it's just a good time there's just a bunch of uh most of it's uh guys who've been in the industry for a long time um um some saddle makers that have been doing it you know 20 30 40 years something like that and it's just fun to kind of go there and and pick their pick their brains learn something from them you know because they a lot of those guys have forgotten more things than i've ever learned you know what i mean oh yeah oh yeah definitely and so it's uh it's just fun just to pick their brain uh but the last one i went to a few weeks ago uh uh ty skyver was there teaching uh uh like a, a floral layout and design class and that was that was pretty interesting i sat in and listened to him and he just uh his methods is just very different than um what i've learned before and i find a lot of value in sitting down with with folks like that who uh who've been doing it for a long time mm. and uh just uh even though they do things completely different than how i do it and uh they do something com- different than the last guy who I, I learned from you know what i mean it's uh i just kind of uh take what i like from everybody that i that i sit down with and uh add it to my my repertoire i guess you know <laughs> Um, like... I think there's value with with just about anybody though. Anybody who does leather work, I think it, whether they've done it for two weeks or they've done it for forty years, like there's something there's something to be learned from everybody. Oh yeah, definitely. It, it sounds like it's a it's pretty good time going up there. I might try to make the Colorado one next year. You should. I think they have they have one this spring. Um, not sure where it is though. I'll find out and I'll let you know. But last year they had one in Grand Junction um, in the springtime and uh, Julie Bacher was there and she did mm-hmm. a, she did a shop making class. So I made the trip over there because Grand Junction's only uh, two hours from me. So it's really okay. not far. Julie, I met Juliet in uh, Sheridan in 22. And she's a really nice lady. I really yeah. like her. She is uh, one of my favorite people. Not, and she not makes... just in leather work, but just in general. Oh, yeah. And she makes, like, top-of-the-line shafts. Oh, yeah. I The thing that I, I love about her is uh, 
you know, she's, she's been in the industry for a long time and she's just got a plethora of knowledge in her head. Mm. And, um, she is not somebody who shies away from like sharing everything that she knows. Mm-hmm. I was actually just talking to her yesterday and she's like her whole living is based off of like teaching chap making and making chaps. Right. She has that whole mm-hmm. leather school now. And, uh, Anytime I have a question, she like, um, she just, uh, she'll answer right away. And if she doesn't know the answer, she'll find somebody who does know the answer and she'll get it to you. And I was telling her, actually last night I was talking to her and I was like, Julie, you gotta, you're gonna have to start charging me for <laughs> talking to you because like, you just give your knowledge away to me for free at this point, you know, but she's just kind of, uh, She'll just help anybody. She wants everybody to succeed. And um, I think there's a lot to learn from that. You know, like um, somebody who's been in the industry for a long time, you could technically kind of look at everybody coming in and be like, oh, man, there's a lot of competition here. Um, mm-hmm. She doesn't see it that way. Um, you know, her her table's big enough for everybody to have a seat at, you know. Definitely, yeah. So since we're talking about shaps now, and I'm – good uh pronounce it wrong because i have a canadian friend that listens to the show and during tyler's episode him and i just kept calling them chaps <laughs> and my canadian friend messaged me and gave me shit for it so for the rest of the episode we're gonna call them chaps That's you don't have to is. i'm i'm going to just to um make my buddy elton john uh <laughs> uh angry and all i i've curious. i've learned too dustin that it's it's kind of a regional thing mm-hmm. i know like um i i've always said shaps and that's just how i've heard it that's how everyone around me says it that's right. how my mentors have said it that i've learned from um but like i've noticed different parts of the country they say they call it different things and if and i i noticed lately um Maybe it's not just lately, but like everyone says leggings now. Oh yeah, you notice that? I, <clears throat> well, I've always thought, I've always considered leggings being the ones that you know zip up and they're completely around your leg, and right. then shaps were like rodeo shaps. They're loose and they only have one little area where they latch just to keep yeah. them on. And that's what's confusing to me because people reach out to me and ask for leggings and I start talking to them. And then everyone who asks for leggings describes something different. <laughs> so I, I always revert back to just like the styles of how I know if you go to buy a pattern kit anywhere, um, I've never seen, I mean, I'm not saying that that doesn't exist, but I've never seen a pattern for sale. That's like, here's a legging pattern. It's always like, here's the shap pattern. And we got either chinks or, uh shotguns or mm-hmm. arizona bells uh like step-ins or you know your uh your rough stock shaps or your or your queen shaps you know right yeah when... so i try to like narrow it down that way i'm like all right what are the activities you're doing <laughs> yeah when uh he messes me giving me shit about how i was pronouncing it i was like look i did my time wearing them i can call them whatever the hell i want as long as i don't call them assless yes right (laughs) or else they would just be pants right (laughs) that uh 
I assume it's you've probably heard it a, a lot more than I have because you make them. But I remember, like before, I was even full time, you know, working at working at the lumber yard. Somebody would find out that I do leather, and they'd be like, "Oh, you make some uh, assless chaps." I'm like, mm-hmm. that's that. If they had an ass to them, they would just be pants. That's they're, that's they're... this is my daily existence at work. <laughs> I work with a whole bunch of you know, um, blue collar guys, and that's every day, man. And they have a new leather nickname for me every day too. <laughs> um, for a while, they called me Wet Leather. That was my name. <laughs> um, lately, it's been uh, Leather Jesus has been the nickname. That one's kind of sticking, so that's probably the, I might have been settled into that nickname now. Yeah, I've uh, I was told that your nickname was uh, uh, what was it? Utah Jesus or Jesus of Utah? <laughs> from I don't uh, know about that, from Tyler. <laughs> Maybe that's what Tyler calls me. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so. Did you start with just the regular chaps or because I, I don't remember when you kind of I won't say transition, but you started making the woolies. Yeah, so uh, the, I guess I've made I made a couple pair of chinks mm-hmm. um, and uh, that's pretty common here in Ute. Like I said, a lot of chaps are regional thing like. Uh, you know, your shorts, when I say chinks, I'm talking your short chaps that are stop about your knees or just below your <clears> shins, <throat> you know, um, that are just loose and floppy. And they're, they're great for around here in Utah because uh, it gets pretty warm in the summertime and those offer a level of protection, but they're not drowning you in leather. Um, and we don't really have like the... Uh, um, the brush like Arizona does that is trying to kill you. Like mm-hmm. it's pretty mild as far as the flora and fauna goes out here. Um, but uh, I, so I made a, I made quite a bit of those because that's pretty common here in Utah. And uh, I wanted to build a pair of shotguns. Um, and that's another thing that's fairly common in Utah is the shotguns with their full length zippers. Um, because they, they're nice for the winter time because they kind of keep that snow out. They're tighter to your leg. And uh, I had this really nice leather that I had gotten from my grandfather um, when he passed away. And he had a, it was tanned by some like um, Amish group up in Canada where he lived in uh, southern Alberta. And uh I'd always thought I'd had this leather for years and I've always thought, man, this would make a really nice pair of shotguns. And uh, I didn't really know where to start with it. And it wasn't until I really met Julie and she kind of put me down the path of how to make them. And I bought her pattern pack and stuff. And I made that pair for myself. And then um, like the next pair I made, I believe is my buddy reached out to me. He's like, Hey, I like those shotguns you made. Make me a pair that are woolies. And so, like, my second ever pair I did was was a pair of woolies. And I was like, dude, I don't know how to do that. He's like, uh, I don't care. Figure it out. <laughs> so I did. And I, uh, I, I, 
I didn't make I didn't know what I was doing with that first mm. pair. I I for sure did not know what I was doing. I uh I just made a pair of shotguns. I took the uh, the Mongolian goat pelts and I I I rolled the edges and tried to make them pretty, you know, like uh took some chap leather and and uh rolled them around the edges, you know, sewed it down to the shotguns. I didn't really know how to shape a pair of shotguns but he had a pair of shotguns that i just kind of i took and i replicated um and that first pair of woolies happened and it wasn't perfect um but i i mean they turned out and he was he was super happy with them and he wears them all the time i think he's going to uh a scajoring uh event this weekend he sent me pictures of him in his in his woolly shaps, all excited to go. <laughs> um, but after that, you know, I learned that there's like there's different ways to make woolies. I started do, diving into it, and I get uh, hyper fixated on things, you know. And I was like, man, I got to figure out how to do these woolies better. And uh, I started learning uh, all the history behind them. Like traditionally, they were made uh, with canvas. Um, they would take the, they would take your wool, and then they would put canvas on the back because that back in the day, um, the tanning that people did was mostly done by themselves. Mm. There wasn't a lot of like high quality tanneries around back in the late 1800s. So um, they would put canvas on the back, and it would add some strength and rigidity to their. Uh, to their uh their their hides and it keep them from stretching keep them from tearing and stuff um and i think it provides kind of a water barrier too like if you're getting mm-hmm. wet it just kind of helps keep the keep the moisture off of you um but that's how they were built and uh man they use some crazy things too a lot of them they i mean you your normal angora goat hides and stuff like that but there was a uh, instances of, of bear and buffalo and then domestic dogs too like people would, lassie would pass away and they would turn them into a pair of woolies hmm. um, which I thought was really interesting you know but there's still some makers out there who make them that traditional way with a, with the canvas backing um, and there's a lot of controversy around it too people think that that canvas is the only way to make it um, and then there's a lot of other makers who are like, well, with the invention of modern leathers and chrome tan, um, leathers that are a lot stronger. And even like the, the hides I get now, like the, the Icelandic sheep pelts I've been buying, um, they're way thicker, way more nice than what you would have got 150 years ago. Right. Um, that, you know, I think as times have changed the way we make things tend to change and um i haven't yet built a pair that has been that traditional way with the canvas lining um i want to at some point i think it'd just be fun to do right Um, yeah but but for the clients i have and the, the activities that they've been using them for um where they're not living in their woolies every day like the cowboys did 150 years ago Mm um it I just haven't seen a need to do it. Most people have a pickup truck now to go warm up in there. They're not <laughs> living on their horse anymore. Oh yeah. How, how hard is that stuff to sew? 
with all that you know, hair going everywhere. It's a pain. I won't. I won't lie to you. I uh, when I get it cut out. Well, the worst part is cutting it out. I'm being honest with you. Mm. Cut out the shape you want, and then you have hair everywhere. <laughs> it just, you know, everywhere. I don't know if you've ever cut into a, a a hide like that before, but like the right where you cut, all that hair sloughs off, right? And that Icelandic stuff is dense. It's really dense, and it's long, like seven, eight inches long, straight, dense wool, and uh, it just gets everywhere. Like my shop now, it's just I haven't made a pair of woolies for a while a couple months now and i'm sitting right here in my shop right now and i'm looking at a pile of of hair that i don't know where it came from i thought i vacuumed it all up but like there's still some right here (laughs) but uh sewing it's i mean it is a challenge but i uh uh i think it was Corey. oh i can't remember his last name seaman i want to say Corey seaman i might be saying his can't remember exactly but yeah the great shop maker out in Wyoming and he's made a couple cool pairs of woolies and I've talked to him quite a bit about, you know, the constructing them and how to do it, best practices, whatnot. But he, he takes the wool and he puts blue painter's tape on the hair, just kind of pins it back with blue painter's tape. Um, and then when you put it on, when you're putting on your shaft, whether it's on the um, canvas or, or leather, however you're constructing it, um, it keeps that hair kind of out of your way and from fluffing all over the place. Mm-hmm. And it makes it a little bit easier when running through your sewing machine, but it's still like you got to go kind of slow and kind of hold that, pin that hair down to make sure your presser foot's climbing over the hair and not tangling around the hair. <laughs> um, it's definitely more of a challenge than just, you know, sewing two pieces of veg tan together, but. Yeah, that uh, definitely sounds like a pain in the ass. Yeah, it's, I, it's not the worst thing, but it's uh, it's the aftermath. Like I was saying, you just, I've st- I've got hair all over. After I think I built, uh, four pairs. I built four pair of woolies now, and so I have four different like colors of wool all over my shop that I it just keeps coming. I don't know <laughs> where it comes from, but like sticks uh, to the walls and then. I feel like it's inside my walls now. I had the same problem a couple of years ago. Um, somebody wanted me to make rabbit fur uh, moccasins, mm-hmm. you know, where the rabbit fur is on the inside of it. I'm like, yeah, sure. And they wanted two pairs. And halfway through the first pair, I was dead set. I was never going to make another pair again because uh, that rabbit fur, like, it's so soft and light that it just floats everywhere. Oh yeah. And no matter what you do, like I even tried to wet it down and cut it, but it still got everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, all like that. Any yeah. anything that's hair on, you just get hair everywhere. That's just yeah. the nature of the beast. And then I went and got a golden retriever. Now I got hair everywhere every day. So. Yeah, that'll happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I did. I I built. You ever made um stockings like at a like hair on cowhide? Yeah. Um, same thing. You know, you you cut out the shape of your stocking, and you just have little cow hair everywhere. I feel like the cow hair like is a little a little bit more manageable though. 
it's not as bad as the rabbit fur. Yeah, I know what you mean with the rabbit fur. That stuff is just like light and fluffy and it like gets in the air. Mm-hmm. Where at least and the cowhide feels it. like it. Yeah, it feels like the cowhide at least stays on your desk so you can at least vacuum it up. Yeah, I, uh, I, I do cowhide on the uh, or the herons for uh, all the hat boxes I do. And I'll try to like cut all all the pieces out in one day that I'm going to need for a while. That way I only have to sweep it up a couple of times. Right. And then be done with it. But so what type of chaps do you like making the most? Shotguns are my favorite. Um, I love everything about them. I like, uh, I like how they look. Um, I like how, customizable they are like there's so many different ways to do shotguns um you know uh i I feel like there's just an endless i could i could build a pair of shafts every month for the rest of my life and i feel like every pair could be different you know what i mean right and that's that's kind of exciting to me and that's it's kind of where i'm at with my leather work i've gotten to the point where um, I, you know, when you're first starting and you kind of just take on like every order that you can because you <laughs> want to learn and you want to do stuff. Mm. And I think it's important to do that, um, especially when you're starting so you can learn what you like and what you don't like. But once I got started doing shafts uh, a couple of years ago, like that's all I want to do now. Like I think I found like my 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 niche, my niche or whatever that I really enjoy doing. Um, and I feel like if I could just only make shafts, I'd be happy. Hmm. I just like how, uh, I like the challenge behind them. They, they pose a bit of a challenge. Um, cause, because they are a bit more complex than like, um, uh, like a rough stock shaft or like a chink. Um, those are pretty basic and generic. Like you can build a pair of chinks, um, that can fit like, um, several people, I guess, you know what I mean? Like there, mm-hmm. you don't need a lot of, uh, adjustability for that. Like you can make a pair of chinks and 10 different people could fit into them. Um, when I build a pair of shotguns, it's built specifically for that person, you know, because I'm, I'm getting all of their leg measurements and it's built custom just to them. And it might, you know, fit a handful of people, but it's, um, I like that challenge that comes with it of like, I'm, I'm going to make something that is unique and fits this person specifically. And I find a lot of joy in that. That's awesome. And, I, yeah. I think that could be my, my favorite thing, you know? I, uh, I think one of my favorite pairs that you've made here recently, um, I had to look back, but it shows that you posted it on Instagram on the December 22nd, but it was the pair, the like, uh, chocolate brown color with the Louis Vuitton trim. Oh yeah. I did that and, for Christmas this year. Yeah. I like, I see some leather workers putting, you know, the Louis Vuitton stuff on what they're making. And the most part I'm like, eh, I, it, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily look good to me. But what you did with those chaps, it looks pretty badass. You know, and, and I'm kind of with you with the with the LV stuff. Like, I don't really like working with it mm. um, because it's not like 
it's not a great material, honestly, um, compared to like real authentic leather. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of feel like it distracts a little bit from like, you know, me as an artist and what I'm doing. Cause I'm, you're kind of piggybacking on, um, I guess the, uh, the allure of the luxury brand, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I had actually made a vow to myself a few years ago. I'm like, I am not going to work with this stuff because I don't want to get sucked down that rabbit hole. And then one of my good friends came up to me for Christmas. He's like, Hey, um, I have this cool idea to make this pair of shafts for my wife. And I was like, all right, cool. And then he's like, how do you feel about adding all this Louis Vuitton to it? <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, you're a good friend of mine and I'll do it for you. <laughs> and I did it. And I, and like, I had no idea what I was getting into, to be honest with you. Cause I, uh, I was trying to figure out how can I incorporate this into the shaft and not make it like overpowering where all you see is Louis Vuitton. Right. I wanted it to be subtle, but I wanted it to also be enough on the shaft that it, um, that you actually notice it, you know? And so I was like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a strip down the whole leg, um, where your, your concho lacing goes for your zipper panel and then around the cuff. And so I started cutting that out. And if you look on that pair, the white trim that goes around everything is one solid piece. So the whole cuff and that whole side panel bit is one piece of white leather. And there's a lot of curves and there's a lot of cutouts in it. And then I, I cut out a little lightning bolt in the, uh, that's recessed out of the, the cuff part. And man, mm-hmm. that, trim that trim piece kicked my butt man like that took forever <laughs> and then getting that to like line up on the actual shaft afterwards because it it's one thing to cut it out of paper and you're like oh it holds fine and then you cut it out of leather and it's all floppy and uh <laughs> you know no longer holds its shape and uh you're trying to get it to lay out and then with an inlay and i got it done it kicked my butt and i i ended up in physical therapy afterwards after building them because my back hurt so bad after hunched over my desk for a week straight, getting perfect, you know, <laughs> but we got it done. And I was, I was pretty, I was pretty jazzed with how it was turned out. And, um, I don't know if I'll make another pair with the LV stuff on it. Cause you know, like I says, I, I'm not trying to discredit anybody who does use it. And I think right. there's been some really neat stuff that people do. And, some of my best friends use it all the time, you know, with their leather work. And I'm not discrediting that at all. Um, I just, it's just not for me, I guess. Right. I, I don't really, I don't really want it to become my, um, I, I guess what I do all the time, but I did get a lot of attention on that. And I got a lot of people, a lot of people asking for pairs that were with that. And so, you know, Money does talk, though, so I'm, I'm, I'll probably be persuaded to make a couple more pairs. True. Uh, how, where do you even get that that uh, LV material, material? Is it so? It's not leather, right? It's no, it's like a, it's like a vinyl. Hmm. It's like a heavy duty vinyl stuff, and it's got like a, like a 
I don't know what you'd call it. It's kind of a cloth backing to it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of, I don't know what it, what you'd call it. It's, I know it's like a cloth material, but it kind of feels like, like a foam almost, but it's not yeah. a foam. It's like a, I guess you'd call it like a, a fake leather. It's a faux leather. Um, and I don't know exactly where people are getting it and stuff. I mean, the guy um, that I built these shafts for, he had a, a roll of it that he had gotten from somewhere. Hmm. Um, and that's kind of what, you know, convinced me to do it. Cause he walked up to me. He's like, I want to build shafts. I was like, all right, cool. And then he pulled out this roll of Louis Vuitton. He's like, and put this on it somewhere. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't even have a chance to protest. You know, he, he already had it. So I couldn't say, oh man, I don't know where to get it. Sorry. Cause he's like, oh, no worries. I have it right here in my hand. Um, but I haven't bought any more. So I don't, I don't really know where people are getting it, but I've heard uh, Etsy is the place get it um but i haven't explored it really myself i'm kind of surprised that louis vuitton hasn't i I would kind of expect that they would likely come after people because it's i mean it's like it's using their brand but right intellectual property right and i i've thought about that too and you know, I'm sure they do. You know, I, I doubt they're going to come after um, guys who are making a handful of things. With, mm. um, I would imagine they're probably going more after people who are making the fake uh, leather and selling it. You know what I mean? Because none yeah, of us would make true. stuff out of it if there wasn't somebody selling it. But I don't really know, man. I've, he- I've heard rumors about people getting busted for doing... Um, using that stuff, which is part of the reason, like I said, and I, I agree with it, you know, like um, coming from somebody who's used it, uh, that, mm. you know, that's, that's their intellectual property. They've, they've put in the work to make it a, a world recognized luxury brand. Um, and that's, that's their right. That's their, that's their stuff. But I'm all also in that same breath. I'm all, I'm all for uh, repurposing stuff too. So, you know, like True. people who take an old and they give it new life, you know, I don't, I don't see any issue with that, but I do, you know, I agree. Like somebody's who's making a knockoff version of the real thing, um, you know, printing the fake leather. It's obviously a, a conflict of interest for them. Yeah, I, I suppose that they they probably like if you're you're making bags out of it, they'd probably start trying to come after you. But yeah, I think I think you're right since it's basically probably repurposing it. It probably wouldn't be a big deal. It's not like you know people the the people that were making the tumblers with Disney characters um, <laughs> that didn't go well. Right. Right. Um, and I, I, it probably falls under that same thing, you know, so it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm small fish. So hopefully I'm not, I don't, um, you know, stir up the, the big, I mean, <laughs> so do you make enough stuff for stock to do like shows or anything? Or are you just kind of strictly custom and you just make something that you want every now and then? Uh, you know, my wife and I did try, the whole stock route before um 
but like I like I was telling you earlier, like um, chefs are kind of what I what I want to be doing. Mm. And I I've kept so busy with with just the custom chefs orders that I have right now that I haven't really tried to branch out into doing anything else. My wife and I have done a few shows before, and um, we we do pretty well when we go to them. Um, usually I make like I don't know uh, wallets and and small things like that, small leather goods, and those seem to sell quick. And what and the town I live in is a, it's kind of a tourist trap. Um, mm. In the summertime, um, it's a stop along the way for a lot of people who are headed down to a lot of the national parks, and they, uh, they do uh, a lot of rock climbing and a lot of jeep trails here, um, ATV trails, stuff like that. Like, um, they do big rock climbing. Uh, uh, I think competitions and stuff here. I've never really attended, but I, I, I know that they do it around here. And for the summertime, uh, we get all these mountain bikers and stuff down here doing all this fun stuff. And they do, uh, uh, they do these craft shows on main street where they shut down the street and they bring in uh, live music and they um, bring in all this food vendors and stuff. And then they just have all these people selling stuff. And my wife and I attended that a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And man, I didn't sell a single thing to anybody who was local. It was all tourists. <laughs> and I, I told her, I was like, man, this actually did really well. We probably could do this, but uh, I just haven't had time, you know, to like make a bunch of inventory stuff. She's got a cricket maker and she's been taking all my old leather mm-hmm. and just making like little earrings out of them. And like, dude, they take 10 seconds to cut out on a cricket. Um, and it's a great use for all the scrap leather you have laying around, you know, but she made, I think like a hundred pairs and sold like all of them Wow! night to all these tourists. And I was like, you know what, maybe you should just do a booth and you just make all these earrings and stuff and I'll just <laughs> keep doing the custom stuff. That's a good idea. Yeah. You, do you do a lot of booths and stuff? Uh, I used to, um, I, I, I think I sl- started slowing down uh, in, I think it was 2020, you know, everything slowed down, but that's uh, around that time. Before that, I had maybe two big ones that I would do every year, and then I would try to hit, like, single-day ones every month or so. Um, but since I've gotten two wholesale customers now. Um, and I got a pretty decent, um, reoccurring customer or customers. I don't do as many. Um, I actually, since I got started doing archery equipment last year, um, Casey from traditions convinced me to go to a traditional archery meetup coming up in March and uh, to go sell, and that's the, the only one I have planned for this year. I've I've slowed down a lot on doing shows. They're just you'd probably do better in that show because you're you know, it's it's specific. Oh yeah, he's. I feel like those shows do the best where you're if you're going to an archery show and you're selling archery equipment, like it tends to do better than like a general craft show where. Mm. I mean, that's that's been my thing. People come and look at it like, oh, wow, that's neat. Cowboy cowboy stuff. I'm not a cowboy. 
not gonna buy that. that <laughs> no, yeah, it's it's uh, it also helps that everything that I'm gonna be making for the little archery show is like if whatever I don't sell, I can just push off to my uh, wholesale account. And so yeah. I still get paid no matter what. It's I'm not going to have one that's going to be sitting. It's not going to be like a wallet that I made and have it for three years before it finally sells. Right. Which you I'm know, super excited that was, for. That was one of the, one of the other things that pushed me from not doing more shows is I, the last time I did one, I made, uh, I think seven or eight wallets and it was, a. Uh, my friend in my hometown was putting on this show for is like a Christmas show deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got a big venue that he owns and he's like, Hey man, I want to do this Christmas show. Like I'm trying to look for vendors and he's like, you should come down and do it. And so you talked me into doing it and I didn't have a lot of time to build stuff. So I was like, I'm just going to build a handful of wallets. And you know, my wife had all her earrings she had made and, we made a handful of things and we went down and, uh, but I posted a picture of all those wallets, um, like before I went to the show and I could have sold every single wallet. Without <laughs> going to the show. Like I had, I had a message like, Hey, is that one still available? I'm like, well, technically, yeah, but I built them for this show. So if it doesn't sell at the show, I'll message you and you can have it, you know, <laughs> but I, I, I got a message on every single one of those somebody asking for it and i was like i don't need to drive down here and do this show and set up a booth and sit here for half the day when i could have sold all of them on instagram you know what i mean right <laughs> yeah i i uh i would run into that issue and after a while i would stop posting them before the show i would take pictures go to the show and then still when i was done with the show post the pictures right and when people will be like, oh, is this one still available? I'll be like, no, but I could remake it and then adjust it a little bit and also put your initials in it. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, that's a perfect idea. Right. So, I mean, if you if you enjoy going to shows, I think they're well worth it. But, like, time is money at the end of the mm-hmm. day. And, like, if you don't need to go to a show to sell stuff, I wouldn't do it personally. Yeah. I, it depends on the show. Um I like doing some because, <clears throat> you know, I'm in my shop every day by myself for, you know, all day long. And, it, you know, occasionally be talking to like Tyler or everybody else or the other little leather group like Miranda and Kim and Marianne. Um, like, Talk right, to them occasionally, kinda, but you kind of need a social outlet so you don't go right. crazy in your shop all day. Oh yeah, because like you know, I love my my golden retriever and he's the best dog ever, but I can only talk to him so much. <laughs> I've got a couple buddies who like Snapchat me all day who do leather work, and I feel bad because I don't Snapchat them like nearly as often because you know I'm at my job mm. um, and I can't really do it. Um, but they're just like home, like by themselves, slaving away in their shop. And so that's the only way they can keep themselves from going insane is to send out some Snapchats all day long, you know? <laughs> so it's good. It's good time. Oh, yeah. So what is 
something that you're looking forward to in the next five years or so in your leatherworking journey? Oh, man. That's a great question. Uh, man, I really like to expand, honestly. And, and not necessarily like expand like production. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to expand uh, my tool base. Like in five years, I'd like to have um, a couple new machines. I'd really love to have uh, – I have a couple sewing machines, but I'd like to get a Class 20. Um, I think it's a – is it Class 20? I think it is. The Cobra Class 20 is the tabletop machine. Oh. Uh... Or am I getting that wrong? I can't remember. They have so many numbers. I think it's – is it an 18? Maybe. I don't know. I know I have a, I have a, my third co is like the class four equivalent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm looking for one that's a little bit smaller tabletop that would do like 138, 207 thread. Um, that would be great for shafts. Cause I bought the machine I have now, I bought it before I was really doing shafts and it works fine. But um, I, I used a tabletop machine uh, one time at a friend's place and uh so in a pair of shafts i was like oh man like this is so much easier with a big flat table surface and (laughs) i don't really need a machine that has giant needles and giant thread for doing uh shaft work right so i'd like to do that i'd like to get into a like a skiving machine um because i spent an hour and a half before you called me today uh sharpening my skiving knives and nice. I was like, that's always fun. Is, I was like, this is stupid. I hate sharpening knives. Like that's that's the one <laughs> thing they don't tell you about when you get into leather work is like how much time you're gonna spend like sharpening knives. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I've got these like I got these really nice like they're the Japanese style skivers I got from uh, Ibex uh, Ironworks. I think is what it's called. It's a custom knife maker here in Utah, and he makes leather tools. But they're really nice. But it's like a I don't know much about knives, so I might be like, I might be talking all wrong about this, and some knife makers <laughs> gonna be listening to this and tell me I'm an idiot. But the steel is like very, um, uh, very hard. Yeah. So like, I feel like once it does, it stays sharp for a long time, but it takes me a long time to sharpen it back up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, you get, like, those cheap knives and, like, you can sharpen them up in, like, 10 minutes. But then they're dull in 15 minutes later, right? Yeah. This knife will stay sharp for a long time. But it, when I do sharpen it, it's, like, an hour and a half chore of sharpening it up, it feels like. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, I'm, so I'm like, man, those, you know, yeah. A skiving machine would, like, change my whole world, man. I <clears throat> I had to put one together just the other day for Casey because he got a bunch of machines in and he's still recovering from his shoulder surgery. So he's like, hey, um, we just got some machines in. Would you mind coming and giving a hand, put them together? I'm like, yeah, sure. No problem. And I was thinking it was just a couple. And I ended up putting together um, – They his sister already had the 26s put together and I believe I had to put together three class fours, a class four premium, and then two bell skivers. 
And that's what it was. It was a 26 that I want to get. Oh, they're fun. That's what I'm running. Yeah. Um, but no, those the the bell scraper he had, I one was already sold, and the one I put completely together was for sale. And it was all I could do to be like, okay, let's just go ahead and load this one in the truck and mm-hmm. I'll just try to I'll just try to make the money back before I make it to Sheridan. It'll be fine. But uh I I didn't <laughs> I didn't yeah. get it. I mean that's probably that's probably smart not to be yeah. you know, yeah. stealing. <clears throat> <laughs> uh, I mean, like, but the, my, my biggest problem right now, back to your question about the five-year deal, is uh, my space. I've kind of outgrown it. Mm. Um, I've I've just got a big spare room down in my basement that I've been operating out of, and I've got one, two, three, uh, big table benches in here, uh, two sewing machines. And then I've taken the doors off the closet and built racks in there for all my leather. Mm. And I'm stuffed, dude. Like, there's barely any wiggle room for walking around in here now. And so if I was to buy another machine, I don't even have a spot to put it. <laughs> so I'm, uh, I don't know. I've been thinking about, you know, I'd really love to buy like a, a steel building. Mm. Uh, put it on a concrete pad and uh, make a little shop. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, you could uh, have Kershaw come up and help you build it because he's, you know, building one of those right now. I know. He lives in one, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he's – I think they're they're building it a little bit each day. <clears throat> yeah, he's, he's done really nice with his. And, yeah, I would like to do something like that where I just – um, and I have another buddy who's built, uh, he bought, uh, like a, one of those big tough, tough sheds, my oh, home yeah. depot. And, uh, but he's at that point too. Like I, I see pictures of, he sends me Snapchats every day and he's bursting at the seams in that <laughs> tough shed that he's working out of. He does it full time too. So he's like, man, maybe I, maybe I need to buy like a bigger steel building now and expand. And I feel like that's the pinch all of us leather workers get into eventually, right? Like we start off on the kitchen table. Yep. Um, we have like a, a, a handful of tools in the corner. And then, then you've got a desk that you're working off of. And then you've got a room in your basement and then you've got the whole garage and then you've got a full blown shop. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. That's, that's how, how I started. I, <clears throat> my actual, I went from kitchen table uh, <clears throat> half of a living room, then a bedroom, and then our uh, my wife got pregnant with our second kid, and I was like, "Well, we're only in a three bedroom, so I got to think of something." So, bought one of those tough sheds, and it was a eight by sixteen. Built it out, <clears throat> and was slowly outgrowing it. Then she found this house that she just had to have, so we moved, and now I have a. Uh, it was basically a mother-in-law suite, but uh, I, I built it out, and now with my new little <clears throat> my extra side hustle, I'm starting to run out of room. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it it's funny when you come to a space and you're like, "This is plenty of space. I don't need anything else," and you quickly outgrow it. Oh yeah, yeah, it's 
yeah, it happens really fast before you can even realize it's happening. So I'm like, I'm trying to look at like the biggest steel building that I could possibly fit on my property here. And I'm like, I don't care if it's half empty, like eventually it'll fill up. So might as well get the big one now. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, definitely. Might as well just get big and then just fill it up with stuff. I'm, I'm just dreaming at this point. I'm, I'm much too poor to actually buy a giant shop. So but may, <laughs> maybe one day, you know, right. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun. It's fun to dream. Right. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't brought it up in a little while, but Tyler said he was trying to convince you to come down to Sheridan. Are, do you know if you're coming? You know, I would love to go to Sheridan. I, uh, I don't know though. I've been saying that every year since I found out what Sheridan was, but I'm going <laughs> to go to Sheridan. And something always comes up and I don't make it. Uh, last year I had, I had a heart attack in May. Oh yeah, I, I forgot like, about that. Yeah, so I was like, ah, I guess I'm not going to Sheridan this year, you know. And uh, I don't know. I would. I'm. I haven't even. I haven't even put any thought into it yet. A little bit. I think about it all the time, but I also like. <laughs> I don't even know what classes I've taken. I've. Uh, and mostly the reasoning I would want to go is to take some cool classes, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really want to take a class from Julie on doing shotguns. Um, I've taken a class from her on doing uh, chinks, but um, like I was telling you earlier, like shotguns are really like what I love doing. But she's coming here to Utah, I found out, to teach a class um, this year in the fall, I think. And so like, man, do I save my money and do her (laughs) class in Utah and not have to drive 16 hours to northern Wyoming? Or should I take her class in Wyoming and go to the world leather show? And I haven't, I haven't figured that out yet. I have a hard time looking that far ahead, man. I barely know what I'm doing tomorrow, let alone in like three months. You know what I mean? So I'm it's a fly about... by the seat of my pants kind of guy. Oh yeah. yeah. So it's it drives about my it. wife nuts. <laughs> so she it's likes about the plan. Oh, does she? Yeah. I'm kind of the same way I plan a little bit, but my wife is the planner. Like there's sometimes I have to tell her like, look, you can only plan so much. We got to, if, if you keep planning, we're not going to get it done. Mm-hmm. Let's just get it done. And let's get a rough estimate plan. And then let's just, let's just do it. Yeah. And I have a, I have a couple other commitments this year too, that I need to, I need to take care of. So, I don't know if Sheridan's in the cards for me this year. I'm still trying to work it out, but we'll see. Eventually, I'll get there, though. <clears throat> oh, you're going to make Tyler sad. He was he was super excited. We got this Airbnb, and he was like, man, it, it can it's too bad, and then a fold-out couch. We can invite a couple more people. Don't worry about Trevor. He can bunk with me. So he was like, <laughs> like he was super excited to, you know, share a room with you so yeah well i might have to dig a little deeper and see if i can make it happen then um <laughs> you know and I, I was talking to mr kirchall the other day and uh you know when he, he snapchats me all the time and like half the time it's leather work and half the time it's him cooking stuff oh yeah and like that guy knows how to cook man 
And oh, I yeah, told definitely. him, I was like, the only way I'm coming to Sheridan is if you're cooking for all of us every night. Oh. And he said, he told me, he's like, all right, if that's what it takes. And he's like, you, you put together a menu for me and I'll cook for you boys every night. Oh, really? Yeah. So now I, I, now I might actually have to go because I put that in his head, you know? Well, uh, also one of the guys that's riding up there with me, do you know, uh, Owen Clark of, uh, Oh yeah. Here on leather. He's oh, yeah. like, I talked to Owen like every day. Just about. He, he's, he's been a chef for a long time. Oh, I and, didn't know he was going with you. Yeah. He's, uh, the that's what we is... need to do. We need to get Owen and Kerchall together and do like a food off at Sheridan. See, I had brought that up to Kirchel when I uh, told him that Owen was coming. He was like, "Oh, I'm not my my stuff won't be that good." I'm like, come on, man! <laughs> I see the stuff you're making, and uh, yeah, but he, yeah, he he was like a professional. I remember listening to his podcast on here. Mm-hmm. He was in a uh, professional chef for a long time. Guy knows his stuff. Oh yeah, and he's a super nice guy. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we uh, he lives here in Oklahoma City, and I'm picking him and Michael Parham up, and then we're driving up, staying the night at Kirchell's, picking them up, and then we're driving the rest of the way to Sheridan. Where I how long is it uh, for you from Oklahoma? Uh, sixteen hours. Sixteen hours. I think it's about the same for me from where I'm at. Yeah, we uh. It's a long drive. It the wor- the bad part of the drive is coming through Kansas and the northern part of Oklahoma because it's flat and there's nothing there. <laughs> Not much going on out there. Nope. But but it's yeah, it survive. should be a good time. I, I don't I don't know that any of us as of right now are gonna be taking any classes because we're getting there on Thursday afternoon. And really, the mm-hmm. best classes are Monday through Wednesday. Oh, are they? So, yeah, well, from I haven't even looked at them this year, but like in 2022 when I went, uh, like all the best classes were like Monday through Wednesday. But gotcha. Mainly, yeah, I haven't even looked into the the classes and stuff. And I don't know, maybe I, uh, I would I would like to at least put um, something into the show to be judged. You know. I'm trying to talk Kirtle into doing it. Yeah, I've I, uh, been talking to Julie about it, and she's been trying to convince me to do it too, um, to build a pair of shafts and, and, and enter them in. I think that'd be fun. And, I and, agree and with I, I don't even care. I don't even care about winning. Mm. Um, I think it would just be nice to get some good feedback from some you know, professionals. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right, Trevor. We've been on here for quite a long time. Um, I know my wife and kid are ready to watch a scary movie. And uh, Tyler messaged me halfway through and was wanting us to wrap it up because he wanted to listen to it in bed, (laughs) which is kind of weird. But uh, (laughs) where can people find you? Um, I am just on the social media. I uh, T-Bar leathercraft t.bar.leathercraft and it's the same handle on facebook 
or Instagram or TikTok. That's Are you I'm taking at. customs? I will eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I I've got a got a pretty full backlog at the moment, and I don't like getting it too full. You know what I mean? Where I I hate I hate having to push people out into like, oh yeah, it's gonna be several months out. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Um, I don't I don't like feeling like I'm stringing people along. So I'm pretty full at the moment, but I uh, I will free up eventually. I'm sure. And if awesome. you have a a fun enough project that piques my interest, I'll probably make room for you. But it has to be really interesting if you want to put Louis Vuitton on it. And if it's if it's a shotgun order, you have an even better chance of getting in. So. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been yeah, fun. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Good no time. problem. I might have to have you have a a, a group episode with you and Kershaw also. I think that would be, be fun. That might be in I'm the down. future. Just let me know. I'll be there. All right. All right, man. Thank you so much. Um, have a great weekend and uh, if you can't drive safe, drive fast. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Justin. Thanks for having me, man. No problem. Bye. See ya. I said it once, say it again. How many times I've told you? I know this stuff because I'm from the ground.